Amen. God is good. And all the time. Wow. God is good. And all the time. God is good. He is so good. Like he is, he's gooder than we think that he is. Amen. Like so much gooder. Um, it's, it's amazing. And um, you know what is so awesome is that the Lord not only says that it's appropriate at any time to enter into joy, but he also strongly encourages that we enter into joy. In fact, he even commands that we enter into joy. Amen. Joy of the Lord is one third of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. We have something to be joyful about. Amen. How many of you know what is the good news? Jesus. <laughs> Who do I pick on to preach the gospel all of a sudden? <laughs> well, I've been known to do that. Um, man, the gospel is good news. Amen. Jesus came while we were yet sinners, while we were still dead in our trespasses. He came and he paid the price for us and he died not only for us, he died as us. And he paid for all of our sin. He paid for all of our shame. He paid for all of our healing. He paid for our deliverance on the cross. Amen. By his blood, he won us back. He brought us to life with him. He seated us in heavenly places with himself. In fact, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Amen. If you are a born again, blood bought believer, this is true for you. You are one in Christ. Someone say, I am one with Christ. It doesn't get any closer than that. Amen? It doesn't get any closer than that. You are one with Christ. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. Amen? God has made you more than an overcomer. He's made you more than a conqueror. Amen? This is the victorious gospel that we believe. This is who we are. Amen? How many of you know that the gospel is not just the entry point into Christianity? It is the Christian life. It is everything. It encompasses everything. It all points back to what Jesus did. Amen? Anything that we do in him, anything that we do with him and for him is from him. Amen? Everything was paid for on the cross. We have authority because of what he did and because he has delegated that authority to us. Amen? So we've been in a series um, called Do Not Overcome, But Overcome. Amen. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. We just thank you that you're already in this place, God. I thank you, Lord, that there's healing in the room right now. I thank you, Jesus. And just go ahead and feel free to get healed right now. <laughs> he already paid the price. You don't even need someone to lay a hand on you. So just go ahead and put a hand on that part of your body that needs healing and just say, I am healed in Jesus' name. I release healing right now in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough. Yeah, so I just declare that healing is taking place all over this room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and we just welcome your presence in this place. Lord, I ask for your anointing. Without your anointing, God, this is all useless. And so we just ask you, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Come have your way in every single one of our hearts. Lord, speak to us individually as only you can. And we just thank you so much, Lord, for everything that you did on the cross. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. So we were, um, we've been in an unexpected series called Do Not Be Overcome, But Overcome. It actually started with a three-point message. I finally had a three-point message. I was so excited and only got to the first point the first time. Only got to the second point the second time. So now guess what? Point three. <laughs> point three of the message of Do Not Be Overcome, But Overcome. So point one was um, freedom is different than we think it is. Freedom is not the absence of a bunch of, of a bunch of things. Freedom doesn't mean we got let out of a cage and that we have an absence of something. Freedom actually means that we have the presence of someone and that someone is Jesus. Amen. So it's like we do want to get these things. We want to be, you know, released from addictions and stuff like that. But all of that is pointless if we don't get Jesus on the inside to replace those things. Does this make sense? So point number one is uh, freedom is alignment with God. Freedom is alignment with God. You have to get out of agreement with the enemy if you want to live the victorious life that Jesus paid for you. Amen? The enemy is your adversary, but he doesn't come to you with devil horns and say, hey, Angela, I want to destroy your life. Will you let me? No, he comes and says, hey, Angela, um, I don't think that you're good enough to lead worship today. I, I think you haven't prayed enough. He actually sounds very religious. He actually sounds very like he's actually saying some good things. You know, prayer is good. But Angel, you haven't prayed enough. And I don't think you're qualified to lead worship. So I think you should probably stay home from church because you know what? Like there's a bunch of prophetic people around you and they're going to see all your junk. And so you should just stay home and get yourself cleaned up because Jesus is clean. And so you have to get yourself cleaned up so that you can be worthy of Jesus' presence. Do you see how the enemy lies? right? He is such a liar. He's the father of lies. He gets you to ask the wrong questions. Amen? How many of you know that you cannot get clean without the blood of Jesus? You actually cannot get clean without Holy Spirit coming and cleansing you. Amen? It is only the blood of Jesus. Amen? So when you are struggling, when you are bound in sin, when you are bound in addiction, run to the presence of God. Run to his mercy seat. Run because he has all of this for you and freedom is him. You can't run away from him to get freedom. Amen? And that's something that religion has hoodwinked us. And it's the enemy. The spirit of religion has never helped anyone to get free, but that's the lie. This is the path to freedom, is you have to try harder. And that is a lie from the enemy. The way that we came into faith was through the gospel, by believing good news. The way you advance in your Christian walk is by believing more good news. Amen. You just keep on believing more and more good news. And the more good news you can believe and the more truth you get in you, the more you expel the lies of the enemy and the things that he's trying to rob, and you experience more and more of his power and presence. And you walk in authority. And guess what? You become a very dangerous individual to the kingdom of darkness. Amen? Amen. We have access to so much power than we can imagine. But we have to get out of agreement. You don't want to be in agreement with your enemy about who you are. Amen? So freedom is alignment with God. Amen? All right. Um, unpartner with the enemy. Break agreements. Receive and believe more truth. Get more of Jesus. Amen. Point number two was freedom means taking ground and possessing the land. Okay, so our faith is an advancing faith. Amen? Amen? If we're walking in the freedom of Christ, then we're going to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Amen? We're going to be advancing on the kingdom of darkness. Amen? 
We're going to be pulling souls out of hell. We're going to be pulling people out of wheelchairs. Amen? This is not something that's about some anointed person on a platform that's anointed and that God has chosen to be special to go around and have these special magnificent gifts. This is something that Jesus poured out to his bride, the church. And this is why he says, I believe in the church. I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Amen. The gates of hell can prevail against a few mighty anointed people on a platform, but the gates of hell cannot prevail against a church that's empowered, equipped, and walking in authority in Christ. Amen. There's, there's too many of us. Amen. And so that's, that's the walk, is that we are in an advancing walk. We are bringing the kingdom everywhere we go. Amen. What does Jesus say about the kingdom of heaven? Where is it? Is it way far away? Jesus, please help us. Send your angel somewhere up there. No, where's the kingdom? It's at hand. It's right here. It's right near you. It's in you. Amen. That's the kingdom. In fact, you are a gate of heaven. Amen. You are a walking encounter with Jesus everywhere you go. Oh, man, the enemy's been lying to some people. I, <laughs> I feel like this, like, ping, ping off of people's hearts. I'm like, no, this is very true. And this is true about you, about you. Nobody's disqualified. Somebody say, this is true about me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of him. Amen? Is Jesus anointed enough to anoint you to heal the sick? Is Jesus' blood enough for you to cast a demon out? Amen. Even a brand new believer. Amen. The blood of Jesus is enough. Amen. So freedom is taking ground, possessing the land. What does that look like to take ground? It says in Joshua, everywhere the sole of your foot treads, I am giving you the land. Amen. Now, it's backwards from what we think because when we think in the natural, when we think in terms of this world, we think, I'll wait until he gives it to me and then I'll step on it when it's safe, right? But he says, no, everywhere your foot treads, I'm giving it to you. And so there is this uh, difference in the way we think in this kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, where when we step in faith, he then gives it to us, amen? He paid for it. He paid for the promised land for us, amen? But if we don't possess it, it doesn't actually become ours. Amen? Amen? So you want to take steps and say, okay, God, here's the area of finances that I just haven't seemed to conquer yet. God, I'm scared. I was raised a different way. I know we're supposed to have this abundant life. I know I'm supposed to be out of debt. debt. But God, when you give me a million dollars, then I'll take a step into that land. Is that how the kingdom works? No, no. There's serpents and scorpions in this land. There's a bunch of lies that the enemy has twisted up in our hearts about you're not worthy enough for finances. Your family never had finances, so you'll never have finances. God has called you to poverty, right? No, this is a land that's available. Jesus paid for it, but we must tread on the lie. It doesn't matter what my family bloodline says. This promise is available for me. And the enemy might be screaming and shouting in my ear, but I'm going to keep stepping on him. I'm going to take steps. I'm going to pay down debt. I'm going to believe that it's going to go. I'm going to partner with God. I'm going to get a word from him about what his strategy is. And I'm going to keep stepping on the enemy's head. And everywhere I step, God is giving me that ground. Amen. Here's the ground over here of healing. Man, I've had this physical issue for a long time or this diagnosis or whatever. Once God heals me, then I'm going to believe that he heals. That is not how the kingdom works. 
He says, I already paid for healing. It is yours. You must possess it. Amen? So you believe and then you see it. If you look at your body to get evidence as to whether or not you will be healed, you will not find it. If you look on the internet for evidence as to whether someone has ever been healed of that condition before, you are not going to find it. That's not where we're supposed to get our beliefs from. If you've never been healed before, that is still not where you get your beliefs from. We don't get our beliefs from our past experiences. We get it from the word of God. Amen. He says, this is available to you. So take a step and tread on it. Tread on the lies of the enemy. I'm giving you that ground, but you must take it. Amen. You must take that step of faith. And you know what? I am healed in Jesus' name. God, what is your strategy? What does this look like? Holy Spirit, maybe he's telling you, take communion. Maybe he's telling you, come for prayer. Maybe he's telling you to lay hands on yourself. Maybe he's telling you there's something that you need to get out of your life or whatever it is. But the healing is paid for. Amen. The healing is paid for. So take a step and possess it. Amen. In marriages and relationships, wow, I'm treading on something. I feel like there was people even arguing this morning. <laughs> Here is the ground of healthy marriage and healthy legacy, healthy children and stuff like that. Again, the enemy's going to lie to you. I've never seen this before. I've never seen a family stay married in all the generations, all my aunts and uncles and all the people that I know. And it's like, here's this ground that's been provided for, right? But you have to take a step and believe. Take the steps. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to do? You know what? Let's get, let's get some Holy Spirit-filled counseling. Let's take some steps and let's squash the enemy. And let's not just throw up our hands and say, maybe it's going to get better on its own. God, if you want my marriage to be better, then fix my spouse. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. God, if you would just fix them. God, if you would just fix them. And then the enemy comes slinky along with you and acts like he's your friend and says, you know what? I don't know how you put up with them. I don't know why. <laughs> Someone amen that. <laughs> we rebuke that sister. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, the enemy comes along and he comes like an angel of light. The, the, the devil never comes and says, ah, I'm trying to destroy you, right? He says, you know what? You have been so patient. You know what? You're the good one. You are so obviously the good one. You are the hero. They are the villain. You know what? You need a rescuer. And you know what? That person at work that's been eyeing you, they look like a really great rescuer. And I bet they're going to meet that need. And they actually see you. They actually appreciate you more than that one that you've been putting up with at home. The enemy will try and actually build you up in these ways. But you have to tread on his head and say, no, devil, right? And you don't have to walk in shame or condemnation. You can say, uh, that thought is actually not mine. Get out in Jesus' name. Amen? But you have to take steps in the ground of marriage if you want to see healing. I know I'm talking to people right now. I had no intention of going here at all. <laughs> Jesus. If you want to see healing in your marriage, you need to go after healing in yourself. You need to go after healing in yourself. And I'm, I'm not a proponent for abuse. I'm not saying that abuse is okay. But if there are things happening that aren't okay and you've been taking it, there's something inside of you that needs to get healed, whether that relationship exists or not. Does this make sense? So if you want breakthrough in your marriage, you have to take steps in the, in the realm of inner healing for yourself. 
What is it inside of me that needs to get fixed, that needs to get changed? Jesus, what lie am I believing? And as you go after that, that invites your spouse into a process of healing. If your responses and reactions change, your marriage will change. Amen? And you get closer to Jesus in the process. Amen? Amen. Step on his head. Step on his head. Don't believe the lies. Amen. Wow, I'm way off of. <laughs> yes. Take ground. Possess the land. What were we talking about? Possess the land. You must possess it. It's not going to just magically get better. This, the people believe that faith means, God, if you want me to be blessed, you're going to rain a million dollars on me. And if not, I'm just going to believe that, you know, you must not want that for me. God, if you wanted my marriage to be fixed, then you would just fix it. This is not how the kingdom works. You must take the land. Believe his word. Step into what he's saying to do. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. She's talking to you. <laughs> Somebody say, she's talking to me. All right. <laughs> Amen. We have authority. We have authority. God is so good. Uh, I'm going to read some scripture. That, that would be a good idea, right? <laughs> so Colossians 2, 12 through 15. Colossians 2, 12 through 15 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which were hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Amen. How many of you know that the enemy is a defeated foe? He's completely defeated. He's disarmed. He's defeated. He has no arms and no feet. <laughs> he is defeated. Now, Jesus never promised us that you would have a life without troubles. Jesus never promised us that the devil was just going to go away and be silent. But he did say, behold, I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy. So if you see the enemy operating in your life and you're saying, Jesus, do something, he's saying, I already did something. Now you take the authority and you do something. Amen. That's what we've been given as a church so that you can actually stand up and say no. And all that the enemy has is smoke and mirrors. All he has is lies. He doesn't actually have the ability to just come and flip your life upside down. He needs your agreement. So that's why he comes with lies to see if you will come into agreement. And now he has delegated authority from you to mess with you. Does this make sense? But we have authority over him, and it's as simple as Jesus paid for it, and you just take the authority. Amen? He may rule the kingdom of this world, but he cannot rule us unless we let him. Amen? So we have to rule over him. We have to put the devil on the run. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Amen? So it's our job to push back the, the devil and his ways and his wiles. Amen. When we go around this world and we see that we, there, we see morality declining, we see things happening in our world that we don't want to see, we do have to look at the church and say, where is it that we have been passive? 
Where is it that we have not been pushing back darkness because we're actually the ones that have the keys? We're the ones that are meant to steward. We're the ones that are meant to take dominion and multiply and spread the kingdom. We're the ones that are meant to preach the gospel and to see the lost get saved. Amen? So we have to look and say, you know what? It's not just something available to me that I can back off the enemy out of my life. It's actually my responsibility as the bride of Christ to take authority and to push back darkness. Amen? Amen? (laughs) We're raising up the bride. We're raising up the bride. A bride that is spotless without wrinkle. A bride that has her army boots on, that knows her authority, that's waiting for him and knows he's coming back soon. Amen? So we're not going to waste any time and we're not going to come under the lies of the enemy and live a powerless life. We're going to walk in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for. Amen? Amen. So now we come to point three. (laughs) Point three. So number one, freedom is alignment with God. Number two, freedom means that we are taking possession of the land. The kingdom is advancing. Amen. Point number three, feast in the presence of your enemies. Feast in the presence of your enemies. Okay. We want to get out of agreement with the enemy. We want to come in alignment and we submit to God. We resist the devil and he flees. And then we start to advance and we push back darkness, and we say, get out in Jesus' name. We start speaking to our city. We start speaking over this. We just start taking ownership. Amen? We want to start taking ownership of this community, this Deer Valley area. We are pushing back darkness. Jesus, would you come, and would you just see all the lost get saved? Lord, show us how. Lord, we pray for the harvesters. We pray for the laborers. God, we want to see revival in this place. Amen? And we push back darkness. This enemy is over this city and we want to push him back. Lord, would you help all the people to come out of agreement with those things so that principality can shift? Daddy God, would you move that principality from over this city? Amen? And then there comes a point that you have warred, you have prayed, you have put on the full spiritual armor of Christ, and then you stand. Amen? After having done all, you stand. Okay? So there is this place where we take authority, we push back darkness, but we don't want to start partner with unbelief. That we're like, oh, we got to keep yelling and screaming. And we gotta, oh, he's still there. Oh, Jesus, why is he still there? Why is he still talking to me? Oh, you, the devil, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, right? There comes a point that you take authority, you tell him to move, and then when Holy Spirit tells you that you've done it, you just stand. And he might be warring in your ear. You know what? The Lord showed us. This is the get out of debt plan. We started tithing. We started putting aggressive amounts of money towards debt. This is my actual testimony. And you know what? The enemy was warring. It looked like this upside down battle that we would never win. We thought we would never be able to go out on a date again. We would never be able to, you know, have fun because all of our money was going to pay off debt and all these different things. But God said, this is the plan, right? And man, the enemy's warring and you just stand and you just keep moving, you keep obeying what God said to do. Amen? And you don't have to warn, scream, and oh gosh, he's beating me up. He's beating me up again. Oh, he's telling me this. No, he can do this all day long, and we're just going to stand. Amen? We're going to stand. We're going to walk in obedience. Amen? All right. uh, Psalm 23. How many of you love Psalm 23? Let's just uh, read that. Psalm 23. If you've got it, you can look it up. Um, Some of you probably haven't memorized Um, So here it is. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, he's so good. He's such a good father. He's such a good shepherd. He, he really makes a way. He leads us in peace. He leads us in the path of righteousness. Even his rod and his staff, even his correction, even his discipline is comforting. He's always bringing us to life, amen, bringing us to the paths of righteousness. He's so, so, so good. And in amongst that, he says, um, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Why do we fear no evil? Because he's with us. He's always with us. Did you know that his presence never leaves you? He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Amen? Amen? A, a, lot, a, a lie has gone out among the body of Christ that says, whenever you mess up, Holy Spirit leaves you. How else would you pull yourself out of a mess without Holy Spirit? Amen? You cannot live this Christian life, you cannot live this Christian walk without Holy Spirit. You cannot love well without the fruit of love from Holy Spirit. You cannot have self-control without Holy Spirit. Amen? A lot of Christians, and we're getting back to the two trees again. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's the tree of life, which is Jesus. On the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we think it's our job to have self-control from ourselves, where we white-knuckle and just like, oh, I'm going to beat this thing into submission, and then maybe I can get into the presence of God. I'm going to conquer this thing, and then maybe Holy Spirit will be with me. And it is such a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. You have to disconnect from that tree. You cannot get closer to God on this tree, not through law, not through works not through words on a page. You have to come into the voice of Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ on the tree of connection. Amen. He says, depart from me for I never knew you. There was plenty of people that were casting out demons and healing the sick and calling on the name of Jesus that he never knew. What is it that Jesus wants? He wants to know you. He wants intimacy. He wants relationship. Amen. And in that loving relationship, he's a good father. And man, when you need him most, when you're weak, he is strong. So boast of your weaknesses because he's strong. And his Holy Spirit is there for you, especially in your time of need, especially when you're struggling. Amen? All right. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, we fear no evil because he is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Amen? And then it says, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. But Lord, the enemy's still there. And he's like, yep, get your eyes off the enemy and get your eyes on me and get your eyes on the table I've prepared. Amen. 
It, it just before that says, I don't fear evil because you are with me. You prepare a table before me. Who else is at that table? Jesus, right? He prepared the table, right? Now, Jesus, Father God, I mean, look at, look at all of um, the feasts in the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament was so marked by all the different feasts. How many of you know that God wants you to party? <laughs> this is a lifestyle of feasting. This is a lifestyle of joy. This is a lifestyle of celebration. Amen. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who threw a party, who had a banquet and wanted to invite all the people and said, come to my banquet. And they said, no, I'm too busy. I'm working hard. I got to do this and got to do that. Somebody come to the party. <laughs> Amen. There's feasting that he wants for us. And now look at the feasts and look at the, the intricacies. Look at how uh, much detail went into the building of the temple. Look at all the decorations. Look at the, the fabrics and the very uh, particular choices of wood that were used and all these different things. Is our God a God of chintzy? There's just like a couple things on that table. Or do you think that's a pretty elaborate table that he's prepared for you? Amen. He's prepared a beautiful feasting table for you. Amen. He provided that for you through his son, Jesus. Amen? So that we can sit at that table. And there's times that we've done the warfare. We've prayed the prayers. We've taken the authority. And now we just sit down and we feast while the enemy just yammers on. And that's okay. And he hates us feasting. He's going to try and convince you that you got to get so serious. That, man, intercession is this hard, huge burden. And, man, nobody wants to intercede because it sounds so hard. And you take on these burdens and you get sick. And there's so much. And you just can't be joyful. And it's like, that's, that's, that's from the enemy. Yes, there's times that the Lord will put a burden on your heart. But you pray through that burden. And then once you're done, you release it to the Lord. So that you're not carrying a yoke of heaviness. That you know, We're not supposed to carry yokes. Amen. Amen. So intercession can be joyful. It should be joyful. Amen. Amen. He's already won. The enemy's already defeated. So intercession should be joyful, should be from our place, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Amen. So he prepares this beautiful table before you, and he's just like, just sit and eat, my child. Amen. Uh, e even when that health diagnosis hasn't shifted yet, even when the debt is still there, even, man, we, we screamed and argued all the way to church and all the way home. <laughs> you sit at the table and you feast in the presence of your enemies because God is with you and because he is ministering to you at that table. Amen. Run to the table. You need that table. Amen. You need to partake of what he's giving. You need to come and receive from him. Amen. Come and receive from him. Get your eyes off the enemy. Get your eyes on the table. Um, the enemy is under our feet. Jesus is the head. We are his body, and he placed all things under his feet, which means they are also under our feet. So feast. Feast on his presence. Focus on what God is doing. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, feast. <laughs> Turn to five other people and say, feast. Feast. He provided it. He paid a high price for that feast. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm, I'm going to read this from 2 Kings, 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. Um, this is um, Elisha and the servant, and they're, they seem to be surrounded by the enemy. They're completely outnumbered by like, like astronomically outnumbered. Um, so he answered, now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots were circling the city. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Amen. Do not fear, for there are many more with you than are with them. Amen. This is why we can feast in peace. Amen. Did you know that only one-third of the angels fell and became demons? So there's still two-thirds on the Lord's side. Amen. Now, I want to challenge those with discerning of spirits, right? Is um, There are times that the Lord shows us demonic things, and that's really important. It's a it's really important tool for deliverance. It's a really important tool for loving people well and um, for seeing them get set free. Does this make sense? But discernment should also include seeing angelic, seeing what God is doing, what is God's strategy, so that we don't get so focused on the enemy around the table that we actually look into the eyes of Jesus and say, God, what are you actually doing? And we actually don't have to react to darkness. How many of you know if we react to darkness, then darkness is still setting the agenda? Amen. So we get our agenda from God, and we say, God, what are you doing? What are our marching orders? Amen. And then you sit, and you feast with him, and you receive. Amen. He's so good. He's so good. It may look like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by him. <laughs> you guys know that song? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We have to feast. When you look at the promised land, Joshua and Caleb saw the giants in the promised land. And what do they say about the giants? <laughs> the 10 spies said, they're too big for us. We're grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight too, right? Joshua and Caleb said, yes, there's giants, but the giants will be our bread. Amen. Amen. Feast. Somebody say feast. Feast. Here's the marriage land. What are the giants in the marriage land? <laughs> Um, 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 um. Whoa, I got healed of some stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. The enemies that actually were trying to keep me from having the marriage that God ordained, 
I actually get to feed on what he tried to do, and Jesus redeems it so that that actually becomes part of me and part of my testimony and part of the authority I have to speak into other marriages to see them healed and set free too. Amen? That is how I have a marriage ministry is because I've had to go and take down giants. We have had to take down giants. Amen? And it has become our bread. It has become the foundation of seeing other people get set free. Amen? Do you see how this works? Um, nom, 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 nom. Amen? <laughs> Here's the, the healing land. Man, God was so good. I got that supernatural healing. If you haven't heard my testimony, I, it's, Jesus is so good. I had no faith. Someone else came in faith and prayed for me, and I was able to step into healing land. Now the giants in the land started screaming in my face, just like, you're not going to keep your healing. This is going to be scary. You don't have as much authority as that person that prayed. And I got to step on the enemy's head. There were times that my heart would be all over the place in that fight of faith. And we would war. And we would wake up in the middle of the night. My husband would read scripture over me and stuff. And there were times that I would still feel the enemy right there. And we would just feast on the goodness of God. We would just read the word and just like, you know what? We've done all the things. We've prayed. We are standing in faith. We're not going to let the enemy convince us that God doesn't have this promise for us. Amen? You step on his head, and then the giants become your bread. And so now we have a healing ministry because of what the enemy actually tried to do against us, that now we get to use his own sword to chop off his own head for other people so that they can heal people too. Amen? All glory to God. All glory to God. I didn't have faith in the first place. Amen? I didn't have faith in the first place, but praise God for someone who did. Amen. And praise God for Jesus walking me through the process of coming into my own authority. But man, step on giants. It's yummy. <laughs> feast. Feast. Feast on his presence. Feast on these things. Flip the script when you see the enemy coming against you. Get ready. Oh, gosh, what breakthrough. What new authority is God giving me in this season? Amen. Flip the script on it. He says to you, I'm going to prepare a table for you right in the middle of the conflict, right in the middle of your family issues, right in the middle of your financial stress, right in the middle of your health issue, right in the middle of your kids going crazy, whatever it is. Jesus never promised us a life without troubles, but he promised us a life with him. He promised us a life where we would be able to feast and walk in joy and receive from him no matter what the circumstances we're doing. Amen. How many of you know th this is a lifestyle where we have to get good at this? Amen. The enemy is always warring, and we can't afford to be victims of every little thing that he tries. Amen. Jesus. <laughs> there, there is more and more persecution happening in the world. Okay? And this is something that um, biblically has actually drawn the church to higher levels of authority higher levels of, uh, of desire, of coming in and prayer, higher levels of boldness, people praying for boldness. Amen. How many of you know that the enemy is going to keep trying things in 2024? How many of you know that there's probably a whole other wave of fear coming in 2024? So we better get good at feasting. Amen. We better get good at taking authority. We, we better get out of alignment with the enemy, get alignment with God. Amen. We're going to take authority. We're going to take ground. But we better get good at feasting. Get good at feasting. Get really good at running to his table and coming to his presence. Jesus, we need joy. 
in the middle of the battle, not at the end of the battle, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. So we need joy. We need to feast. We need to be able to see all the things and not partner with fear and sit at the table and say, God, you're so good. What are you doing? This is what the enemy's doing. What are you doing, God? What do you have on your heart? And he says, I have a billion soul harvest on my heart. That's what's coming. Come and partner with me. Come partner with my plan. And no, you never have to fear because I am with you. Amen. Somebody say feast. <laughs> right in the middle of problems and troubles and stressing. Right in the middle of, of lies being spoken against you. Right in the middle of uh, concern and discouragement. Right in the middle of the world being crazy. There is a table prepared for you. Amen. And he promises to sit with you at that table and you get to feast in front of your enemies because he's there. Hallelujah. The Bible talks a lot about feasts in the Old Testament. Eating is, is like a big deal, <laughs> right? It still, <laughs> it, it still is a big deal, right? <laughs> sin, how did sin come into the world? Through one bite. <laughs> Sin came in the world through eating. When we eat communion, he actually feeds us his body and his blood that breaks the curse that came in with one bite. Amen. We get to feast in the presence of our enemies, Psalm, Psalm 23. Um, Melchizedek, when he came to Abram, do you remember what he brought? For those of you that know the story, Melchizedek is a form of Christ. I believe he actually was Christ in the Old Testament, um, appearing to Abraham, Abraham at the time. Um, and he came with wine and bread. What does that sound like? <laughs> it sounds like communion. Promised land where the giants will be our bread. The kingdom of heaven is like a man having a banquet, a feast. The Passover meal. The Passover meal is um, really, really important. And uh, we actually are going to read a little bit of this um, from Exodus 12 because most of us picture the blood going over the door, and that's pretty much what we picture um, for this story. So uh, in Exodus 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th month of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family. Somebody say, take a lamb for his family. Now, what was happening at that time, the Israelites were under the Egyptian rule. They were oppressed. They were slaves. They had no way out. And God had already told them, I'm going to deliver you. Amen. And so this is the Passover. This is uh, the, the, the night that he would come in. And there was a plague that would take out all the firstborn of anyone that didn't have the blood of the lamb on the, over the doorpost. So you guys with me? Okay. So take a lamb for his family, each one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. So what was important about that lamb? Eating it. You had to make sure that there was exactly enough lamb for every person in your household. Amen? How many of you know that it matters what you eat? <laughs> the animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. 
Notice where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. What does that mean, bread without yeast? That's a representative of Christ who is without sin. Amen. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is a lot of detail, right? This is more detail than just put some blood over the door, okay? This is how you are to eat it. Pay attention to this. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And then it said on that same night, then the, the firstborn would, uh, would die, and the blood over the door would be a sign that the people in the house ate the lamb. Amen? So who is the lamb? The lamb is Jesus. So we need to eat of Jesus. Part of that table that's been prepared for you is the bread and the wine. It is, it's his body and his blood. Amen? It's really important that we eat the lamb, but it's also really important how we eat. There was very specific instructions. You need to have your waist girded up, like get ready. You need to have your jacket on. Have your staff in hand. What is a staff used for? For walking. Get ready to go, right? Eat in haste. So why is he saying to eat that way? Why is he saying to eat that way? Because it's a prophetic act of faith that you believe what God said, that you're not just eating the lamb and, well, we'll see what happens. You are eating the lamb. You are sitting at the table in the presence of your enemies, ready to go because God said he's going to deliver you, and he is. Amen? It's a faith walk. It matters how you feast. Feast in faith. Amen? It's not just like, well, oh, gosh, the enemy's coming against me. Well, I guess I'm might as well eat. <laughs> this is like, no, be ready to go, right? When you've done everything, stand, because God is true to his word. He's going to show up. What does this look like? We're getting ready to go. He said, we're leaving. We don't know how. We don't know how the, the slave owners, of, they're, they're going to track us down. They're going to kill us, but we're going to be ready to go because he said so. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It matters how you eat. Eat in faith that God's word is true. Faith looks like something. Faith is just acting like the word of God is true. Faith is acting like the word of God is true. Amen? It's, it's not this thing you have to muster up. Man, I, I see this person and they need healing. I don't know if I'm qualified to pray for them. I don't know. But the word says that I can pray for them. The word says it's actually Jesus that heals them. But I don't know. Should I wait for the faith? Should I wait until something hits me over the head and God just forces my hand out, right? No, faith is just acting like the word of God is true. It's like, okay, the word of God says that I can heal that person in Jesus' name, so I'm going to act like this is true. Here we go. <laughs> and you step out and you take a risk. Amen? And you're healing. Gosh, I'm getting a sore throat today. Oh, no. It's that season, and the kids are back in school, and like, this, this is how it is. This is how life is, right? No. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Faith is acting like the word of God is true. In Jesus' name, I rebuke this. I actually don't have to get sick. That's actually not my portion. That's actually not normal, right? So I don't have to receive that. I can rebuke that. So what do I do? I don't want to go around acting like a sick person. 
Amen? Faith is going to look like something. Faith is going to look like, I've got my jacket on, I'm ready to go. Amen? There was a moment I was speaking at a conference, and um, the man, I, I had kidney stone act up. I don't know if any of you have ever had kidney stone, but uh, I've had five children, and that rivals natural childbirth. I wouldn't say quite there, but really, really painful. I was doubled over, couldn't hardly move. You get sweaty, and it's gross. You feel like you're going to throw up, and just you can't hardly move. And I'm like, I am supposed to speak at this conference, and I'm just like, what am I supposed to do? It'd be really easy to just say, you know what? I've got a kidney stone. They're going to understand. It's so painful. You know, maybe, maybe it'll pass in days and, you know, all these things. No, it's just like, what does faith look like? I know, God, that you told me to speak at this conference. I know that this is something that you have. So I hobble in, in my pajamas, into the church, and I'm like, hey, intercessors, I need you to pray for me. And I'm believing that I'm going to be speaking in this conference, and so will you pray? for this. And I didn't call anybody and tell them I'm not coming. I'm, I am believing, you know, I'm going to, this is going to look like something. I've got my cloak on. I've got my stick in my hand. I'm getting ready to walk. Amen. And praise God. He took care of that in that moment. I did not have pain anymore. I was able to preach in that conference and not have an issue. Amen. Now, what would have happened if I would have stayed in, praise God, glory to God. Uh, what would have happened if I would have stayed in bed acting like a sick person? Right? Amen. Okay. Feast with expectancy that God is working on your behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. This is what the Lord said to me. You'd better get good at feasting. Feasting is a lifestyle. He said, you have to be able to stay in the present with me and receive of me in troubled times. Thank you, Lord. The Israelites feasted with me with their families. In the midst of trials, tribulations, and oppression, I commanded them to feast on the lamb and make sure that there was enough for their families. The blood on the door was a sign that they had all eaten the lamb, even the little ones. Thank you, Jesus. What happens sometimes when we go through trials is that we're tempted to uh, put family on the back burner. We get tempted when it's like, man, we're hitting some serious trials. Mom and dad have bigger fish to fry. Kids, you take a back burner, and, you know, we've got to really uh, fight this trial, and we're in so much stress, and we're in so much trouble, and we're arguing and all these things, and our family actually gets pushed to the back burner. But how many of you know that Jesus actually wanted us to come and feast with our families and make sure that there was enough lamb for every single one, including the little ones? Amen. So there is a feasting that we have to do with our families, with our little ones in trials and tribulations, and it can't be something that is negotiated. Amen. In hard seasons. Some of us need to get back to the dinner table with our families, with our kids. There is something actually that is warfare in that. There is a trust in the Lord that we actually get to be in peace, and we're going to live a lifestyle of peace and rest with the Lord even when everything is just going crazy. Amen really important that we learn to stay present with the Lord, present with our kids, present with our families. Amen. Don't get so focused on a problem that family hits the back burner. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Lord, help us in these times, Father, to focus on you and to have focus with our families from you, Jesus. And we just thank you for it, God. So I thank you, Lord, that we get to run to your table anytime, Father, anytime, especially in the hard times, especially when the enemy's warring. God, we get to run to you. We get to run to that communion table that you prepared, Lord, that we get to eat of your body that produces healing. We get to drink of your blood that washes our sins away 
away and brings us into right standing with you, Jesus. I thank you that communion isn't to be feared, Lord, but it's actually provision from you. And we just thank you, Lord, for paying that price for us on the cross, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you've paid for us to live in alignment with you, to take uh, the, the ground, to take possession of the land, God, and you've also given us the authority to actually rest in the storm, to actually feast in the presence of our enemies, and to enjoy your presence at all times. And I just thank you so much for it, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, just keep keep just in a in a place of prayer and just keep thanking him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I feel like I have a word. Um, if there's if there's anyone that came in walking with a limp, would you stand to your feet? If there's like if if you feel, if they're you're limping for any reason, it's just like okay, like some either something going on with like your your walk or your legs or something like that. But if you have been walking with a limp, all right, yeah. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just, I felt this word for all of you. Like, of course, we're going to go after the limp. But I feel this word for, for, um, for you guys, um, that God is actually restoring your joy, that he is restoring your joy. He's, he's seen the things that you've walked through. He's seen the pain. Uh, for some of you, he's seen the betrayals. He's seen the lies and the, dif- the different things. He's seen the struggle. It's like the struggle, struggle. It's like, when is this going to shift? When is this going to change? But he is restoring joy to you right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, we just break off heaviness right now in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord, for increased joy. It doesn't matter what joy level we've been at. He is increasing it to the next level. And I just thank you so much for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, if you're around any of those that are standing, um, if it's okay with them, would you lay a hand on them? And maybe some of our ministry team can go around as well. Um, Just lay a hand on them, and you're just going to release healing. Just real, it doesn't have to be elaborate, just like we just command healing right now into every body. We command healing into hips right now in the name of Jesus. Every hip be healed, legs be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, we just speak alignment, proper alignment to your back in the name of Jesus. Spinal alignment right now in the name of Jesus. Foot problems be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Um, Yeah, there's like some kind of pain in a foot right now. We just command the pain to leave in Jesus' name. Shitiara bakasata, shitiara bakasata. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, we just declare every root of every problem being healed right now in the power of the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right? How do you know if you have a million dollars in your account? You got to check. So check for it. Maybe walk around, move around. Check it out. See if there's anything different. Okay? Check it out. I don't know what, what the thing is. You can maybe walk around or, you know, move. Okay? So take some laps. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Take some laps. Do whatever faith tells you to do, okay? Now, if you notice any difference, if you felt anything, if there was heat happening, if there was cool happening, if like, man, it's better, or the pain is gone, or the pain is less, would you just wave your hand at me? Just wave your hand. Come on, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So what, what was going on? 
what, what was happening for you and how is it different? So, so for me, I am, when I sit still, my knees start getting stiff. And, and if I walk out, I'm moving to loosen back up. And the pain has left my knees again. So. I um, had to buy special uh, inserts for my thing, and God's been dealing with me, and I've been trying to figure out what it is exactly, and I'd taken one out, and, and then my hips started hurting again, so I put it back in. And so it, it's like everything's been off alignment, and, and now I've, I've been believing for a while that it's back in alignment. So. Yes, awesome. Was there some, someone over here? What, what was going on, and what's, what's different? My hips been bothering me too. And then is it is it different now after prayer? Okay. And how much better? A hundred percent. Is it a hundred percent? Come on. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, the, the other word that I heard um, was that God is lifting depression off people. I know we went after that in worship, um, but if that's you, maybe let's just all close our eyes. Just close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. If that's something that you've been struggling with, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so I just thank you, Lord, that depression is removed today in Jesus' name, that you are beginning to learn to feast. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's like you've been feeling like you have to wait for things to be right again in order to enter into joy. But the Lord would say to you, that is a lie from the enemy. I feel like some of you have even maybe lost your appetite, but God is calling you to feast with him. He's calling you to feast with him. So I just declare every spirit of depression, get out right now in the name of Jesus. I command brains and chemical imbalances, be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Come into alignment right now in Jesus' name, body, soul, and spirit. I command every depression away from you and bound away from you from this day forward in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I feel like for some of you, there's gonna be power in taking communion. Um, I feel like there's an encouragement there um, to take communion and to take it regularly, um, that that's going to be something really helpful to you. And take it knowing that Jesus paid for this for you. When you take his body and you drink his blood, that that is something that is provided for you, that he did. You don't have to do it. He did it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you glory. We give you glory.